What's up, chumps? Thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of the Fantasy Chumps podcast. If you are new here, my name is Leighton, and I am joined by my dear friends, Nate and John. How are you boys doing today? Well, today we are talking about, as if you recall, we are talking about the NFC rankings and our draft strategies on various positions because that's important to kind of go over and be prepared for. And it's still July, or no, it's just turned July. Happy July. I was was in between it was still June and then I realized it was July. So halfway through the year, man. Dude, that's crazy. It hasn't gone as fast as last year. (laughs) The summer is flying, I feel like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For sure. But summer's come and went. Let's move on to the question of the podcast. John, I think you have one pulled up for us to discuss. Yeah, so this one is actually from me, and I'm super intrigued to hear the answer from it because I really don't know what to think. But I'm going to try to make this as clear as possible. Between Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, first off, who will have a better fantasy season? Second of all, or second of all, wow. Second of all, Will they be relevant performances or will both be mid to high 20s or even in the 30s for their rankings on the season? So kind of irrelevant. So who's going to have the better year and where do they fall in your wide receiver rankings? So um, I'm going to tackle this first. According to Sleeper, I just looked it up. Ayuk's going 68th overall and Timo Samuel's going at 101. Crazy. Um, Based on that, I just want to say Debo Samuel, by the way. <laughs> like, that's my argument. No, um, I think it is Debo Samuel. Part of the reason is what I just discovered, the fact that he's going so much later. Um, but if you recall a couple of years ago, you know, he when he showed up and balled, he really balled out because from week eight on, he had two weeks under – 14 fantasy points everything else was or 13 sorry everything else was 13 or above from week eight on to week 17 for Debo Samuel he got a ton of targets um wasn't super I don't want to say super relevant yeah but he wasn't super relevant the first part of the season picked up an injury he had one breakout game against the the Bengals but um not a ton before that but then this last year even he, when he played, he was good. So he didn't start the season, and then weeks four and five, he was you know kind of not really relevant. But even in week five, when he only had, you know, he still got eight targets. And then in week six and seven, I feel like he's back up to full strength, eighteen points, twelve points, and then he got hurt again, unfortunately. And then he came back week twelve after the bye week, twenty-four points, thirteen point six points, and then he got hurt again. Yeah, every time, sorry, every time we played, he was good. And then Ayuk, he was still pretty good. Like, don't get me wrong, but there just wasn't a lot there for him to work with. So that's kind of why I'm higher on Debo Samuel. Even though he's still good, Ayuk was inconsistent. And go on, John. So two quick thoughts. <clears throat> you mentioned the breakout in the second half of the season. That's also when George Kittle went down. So George Kittle oh, was not there in the second half of the year. 
a big part of the reason that my question comes into play. And yeah, was Ayuk? I swear somebody else wasn't healthy. Or I mean, the 49ers. Is a well, team. no, George Kittle was out the whole year. It wasn't the whole year. It was the majority I, of it, though. I, I traded for him the week that he got hurt. Nice. It, uh, it, it, yes. It, no, not going to go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, just two quick thoughts. Um, so you see Ayuk or Debo higher? Me? Yes. Debo. Debo. And are they where do they fall roughly? Probably Debo is like a he'd be like a good wide receiver. He, he'd be a low in flex, high wide receiver four right now. His ceiling is, I think, a wide receiver two, but his you know floor is like he just gets hurt and he's not playable. And where does Ayuk fall with him having that sort of workload? Uh, he's he's a tier five guy, so kind of a step down. Uh, where he's going is not where I rank him, but just based on purely how I feel about them, I would. The only thing I'd want is I'd want him to be my wide receiver four at best, probably. Nate, quick thoughts? Agree? Disagree? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm in with Debo. I think I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm not super excited about yes. either of them, but I'm pretty excited where. Debo's falling and like his upside there. Um, I feel like Ayuk last year, it was just a culmination of there being no other targets, and that was kind of his breakout. So I'm not totally sold. I think he's good. I think this is his year if Kittle and Debo can stay pretty healthy, where you find out what his role is in the 49ers offense. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think Layton kind of had the range right for both of them. Yeah, I think Debo, I would be getting him if he's going in the like ninth or tenth round, and he would be he would be a flex option for sure. Could if he if he plays to his potential, could move into that wide receiver too though. Yeah, so I kind of agree with that. Um, you know, they aren't all healthy at the same time, so it's kind of hard to predict. Forty Niners yeah. must have built over a Native American like burial site or something, because man. They cannot stay healthy. Um, well, moving on, um, is there any news you guys want to bring up? Because I didn't find any before the show that really stuck out. The only thing I saw that Brady was not talking about the Bears. That was oh, just a we know who that. he's talking about. He's talking about Derek Carr. Oh, I thought you might like that. I think you're right. <laughs> Let's yeah, I, go, baby. Hey, Tyrod's still on the table. Yeah, but no. Derek Carr <laughs> sucks at football. Yeah, I mean, it was the Raiders. We know. <laughs> I think I actually saw a report that said it was the Raiders, that somebody, like, who knew something. Yeah, you sent that to yeah. us. Yeah. Yep. Let's go. That makes me hype. All right. Well, guys, I think we're ready to get into our NFC rankings. So just in case you didn't catch our AFC rankings, which you should go check out in the episode link, um, basically we decided just to guess divisional predictions for – the NFC, we already did the AFC. We all guessed one through four on east to you know west and kind of just get the overall feel for it. So we're going to start off here with the NFC East. Overall, beast. we had – Yeah, the, the beast. We also did win-loss, but we're not going to get super into that because I don't know what the Cowboys had to do to go to 11-6, and six, but they need a lot. <laughs> 
basically we had overall we had the Cowboys one the football team two Giants three Eagles and fourth um, so I was the only one that differed with the skins at first so um, what stuck out to you about our rankings Nate about the NFC East rankings yeah um, just any to any record or anything catch you off guard no, not really. Maybe we'll, I see your Eagles are going one and sixteen. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> that is okay. That that's harsh. <laughs> like <laughs> they would have to do a lot to lose sixteen games next season. I think. I think they're capable of winning two, at least. But I don't know. I I was pretty optimistic with the Cowboys this year when I was going through. I was actually just like walking on the treadmill today. You know, trying to be healthy, get a little cardio in. But I was just flipping through the Cowboys' schedule for this next year. They have a pretty mm-hmm. tough schedule. Um, and I was just going through very quickly. It was like, do they win this game? Do they lose this game? And just, like, adding it up. But I think with the Cowboys, there's a lot of games that we can think about last year where, or in years prior where they just – I don't know. They, they lose games that should be – that are going to be competitive. Like, any close game, it seems like they were losing them. I'm going to say that this year they win a couple more of those games. And um, that, so I think like a, uh, a good Cowboys record for next year is like, is 10 and seven. I have them going 11 and six. I just think they're going to get a couple more of those wins that could go that are 50, 50, that could go either way. And so I have them going 11 and six, maybe even 12 and five. I'm pretty, pretty into the boys this year, but. I feel that. But, yeah, that's that's about it. I think the Redskins could be there. Redskins will be competitive. The football team? Uh, sorry. Holy cow. Leighton, you actually hey, slipped John- up, too. I'm not even going to lie. You you slipped up earlier. Did I say the skins? Oh, you did. Get some. Hey, that's not, that's not the – you know, that's not – it's just the skins. That's my. That's been my nickname for them because I want them to have a team. name. The sorry, teams. everyone. Football um, team. John, do you have a quick note to add? Um, no, I don't see any surprises, really. I think the Cowboys are going to be in a lot of shootouts. I expect a lot of points. I've said it before, say it again. Dak's not that good of a quarterback. <laughs> All right, Nate, do you want to kind of break us down the NFC South for us? Yeah, so the South is one that's kind of interesting. I don't think there's any surprises here that we all have the Bucks uh, winning this division. Um, Layton has them at 11 and going 11 and six. I have them going 13 and four and same with John. Um, but what was those last three were really tough for me. That's hard. It was, it was hard with the saints, the Falcons and the Panthers. Um, I'm, I don't really know. This is, this is hard. Um, do you guys remember what the Falcons went last year? It was, they went like, it was terrible. They were like 4 and 12. I was going to say 4 and 12. Um, yeah, so I thought. Because they had the I fourth overall would, pick. Yeah, that's what came into my head as soon as I started to question that. It was like, yeah, they must have been bad. I was going to say they were like 7 and 10, but yeah, they definitely were not that good. That's easily the best 4 and 10 team or 4 and 12 team ever, by the way. Yeah. Um, that might be fast. But I was having a lot of issues with the Falcons and the Saints right here. Um, I think it's just that we don't know what the Saints are going to be like on offense, really. 
like who their quarterback is, like what that whole QB situation is going to be like. I have the Saints going nine and eight and barely uh, edging out the Falcons. It could go go either way though. I'm pretty I'm pretty into the Falcons. I'm also pretty into the Panthers uh, for this year too. Um, I have them going seven and ten. I'm pretty. I keep saying pretty. Sorry. I'm quite optimistic on Sam Darnold for this year. <laughs> I the only thing that was really different between the three of us is I had the Falcons above the Saints because I think Arthur Smith is going to be a good coach, and I don't where, trust the Saints quarterback. Where did he come from? Titans. Titans. Can anybody hear the fireworks going off? Oh yeah. Yeah. Sweet <laughs> background noise. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, Merck. Happy first. Happy first. Um, I don't think the Falcons are that good of a team this year. Um, I had the worst record for them. I I went 6-11 for the Falcons. Um, I don't know. I just don't think – I mean, they didn't get any better, right? I mean, there's nothing that I'm forgetting, but they – like, they added Kyle Pitts, obviously, but, like – yeah. They've co-pits. I think so. It's all about the coast for me. Six and 11 is, I guess, what I would give them like their, like a record for last year, like what they were capable of and like how they played. I think they could have won six games last year. So I think that they will be marginally better than that, if that makes sense. They won four games last year, but they could have won easily won three if they hadn't just like, yeah. Yeah. So I have them. Eight might be a little optimistic, but I could say easily see them winning six to eight games for next year. And then I don't know. Yeah. Last quick note um, before we move on to the NFC North is I feel like the Falcons are like the Browns light of this year. So remember everybody always said, oh, the Browns are talented if they could get a coaching staff, right? Then they had Kevin Stefanski and last year they made the playoffs. You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. – I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think you'll see that kind of, like, switch in their efficiency and everything. So, that's where I stand. Yeah. Could definitely see that. I, I don't know anything – yeah, that's a pretty good comp. It's just, like, I, I don't know anything about the Falcons' defense, really, outside of, like, Grady Jarrett. Yeah. Bunch of uh, like, defense. I don't know. It is just, like, when I think of them, it's – I only think about offense and it's kind of the same things with the Cowboys. It's like, I don't, I can't think of any moves that they really made. It's just hard. It's just, right. that's pretty much me thinking that they've gotten better by adding Kyle Pitts. John, you want to move on to the NFC North? Yeah. So you were, for the, you're all the same. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think that's extremely shocking. I think this is probably the easiest division to predict. Uh, the Packers are obviously going to be on top. Um, I guess the Vikings and the Bears, there could be a little bit of debate, but I don't, I think, I think the Bears were a bit of a fluke last year. Like they weren't good by any means. And I don't think even a Bears fan would try to convince you that they had a good team last year. They'd probably throw all the blame on Mitch and Nick Foles and say that it's Justin Fields year. But um, yeah, overall, we all went with Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. I... I was kind of nice, and I gave the Lions five wins, but shockingly, Leighton did too. So um, we'll see. I don't think there's any way that they're going to get five wins on the year, though. 
But expect the Packers to dominate. There will probably be, I mean, as always, the Packers at Bears game will probably be a good one to watch. And then the Vikings will probably spoil a few throughout the year, but um, not not expecting much out of this division outside of the Packers. So I could definitely see the Bears getting finished in second. Yeah, uh, right. I could too. And like, I could see it because I mean, we had nine and eight, Nate and I did, and then eight and nine and seven and ten. So I mean, there's not a huge discrepancy there. Late in years is a little closer, but I, the thing is, if if I knew Justin Fields was starting like week one and playing, and he was playing like I think he could, I'd probably have him above the Vikings. But they're committed to Andy Dalton for at least a little bit. So I think they're going to start like one and four. Yeah, I think it'll be. You think they start one and four? Yeah, I don't know who they're playing, but I just yeah. don't trust him. But yeah, it would be. I don't think if they start one Weird, and four, I don't think Andy Dalton will last four games or five games. I think it'll be. Okay, so they go Bears start against the Rams in LA, then they play the Bengals, then they're Where? at Cleveland. Lost. Then they're at home against the Lions. Win. Then they're Win. at Las Vegas. Okay, That's so their first three and games. two. Three and two at that point. No, they go I would two say, and three and they lose. I would the say Bengals. they go two and three. Yeah. Lose to the Bengals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I bet they start 0 and three and win against the Lions and the Raiders, which is tough because if they start 0 and three, I think there's a lot of pressure for them to start Justin Fields. Yep. And then they don't, and then they beat whoever the fourth team was, and then they beat the Lions again, and then it's like, oh, or the Raiders, sorry. It the gets Lions, tough Raiders. after that. Their next if, four, Bucks, yeah. 49ers, Steelers, Ravens. Yep. Yeah. So that, that that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if I was the Bears, I would either start him week one, or at the minimum you have to start him week four. So at least he's playing the Lions and Raiders before – he plays. They play these really tough teams because you can't start them against. Who is the next team after the Raiders, John? Packers. Uh, Packers. You can't start the Bucks. But then you can't start them in Tampa Bay. No. And, I mean, I guess you can I mean, start them at home against the Niners, but that's probably the second or third best defense. I mean, I guess you can, but you're not. You're not excited. I think. I think he should start from day one. I just think he should. But I don't think that he wins that many more games for them just because of their schedule. Like, it's hard. I mean, that, it is that, hard. for a rookie yeah. quarterback on that team, it's hard. Yeah, so, the more I look at this, the more I think 8-9 and nine is actually pretty generous. I think John's 7-10 and 10 is more likely. But I think after the first – honestly, I think it's the Bengals game where, like, you'll really figure it out. If the Bears beat the Bengals, then I think Dalton maybe wins two more games. Or not, not wins, but – Wins the starting job for two more games. Yeah, but if they this start going three, is, uh, yeah, this finale is still going on behind me. But oh boy, <laughs> I wish the, I would have watched these. <laughs> the Springfield Cardinals win or what? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. That is one hundred percent what it is. Actually, oh, they're doing they're doing a yeah they're doing a July fourth celebration. They have them tonight, tomorrow, the next day, and then the fourth. Obviously, that's right. My my boss was buying tickets to that. Sorry, yeah, boss. I almost did. I I actually almost did. You know, hot hot take for today's episode. I think fireworks are a little overrated. I said, I said the same thing to my dad today. Love the fourth. What? Love freedom what? and America and everything. But <laughs> I swear, I said the same thing to my dad. I said, like, 
I mean, I don't get me wrong. If it's a nice night, you're sitting out, you know, in lawn chairs watching fireworks with your family. That is fantastic. It's There's fun. not a, a much better way to spend the fourth. But yeah, fireworks are kind of they don't really do are, it for me anymore. Are you are you talking about just like a fireworks show or like lighting your own fireworks? <laughs> like a show. Well, either. yeah, either. I think I think a show for sure tops lighting your own. I think it's a pain. Yeah. yeah. And it's expensive. Like who it's expensive. Who it drops is super underwhelming. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And but, uh, but yeah, I think fireworks no. shows are cool. I mean, they're cool, but I think the only, the only reason I think they're overrated is because there's, you know, you have these people that are like, man, I can't wait for the fourth. It's my favorite holiday. I love the fireworks. I'm like, really? Like, fireworks were a lot better. I, I, I think that has to do with oh. consumption of certain liquids and boats. That's that would be a guess. <laughs> and explosives all in the same right. yes. situation. And, and the fact that we live in Missouri. I think I think all of yeah, those well, things. We've never, we never announced that on the show, but we do. <laughs> yeah. My, I'll drop the address in the in the post. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think those all combine. For... Speaking of the post, let's talk about the postseason Rams winning the NFC West. With all of us picking the Rams, we have the exact same again. I thought hey, this I would have be a tie. I have a tie, but I think the Rams. Oh well, yeah. Uh, this is the one where I think I thought going in there was going to be some very different opinions but nope we had we all have rams 49ers cardinals and seahawks and i think the rams are going to be really freaking good this year um so any opinions besides that i mean it's it's the best division in football this is the hardest division to rank especially for the last last three teams because i think that's where it gets really really even between them there's it was hard to put. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. He came in, like he became an MVP candidate as soon as he was traded to the. And I don't think it's going to be that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he's that. Like, okay, so. Yeah. John, John, I understand. I understand where you're coming from because I agree to some extent. But like, I don't think don't, he'll like, be. He blew up like. Matt Stafford stock went through like I didn't know there were so many Matt Stafford fans in the football world because yeah holy cow they came crawling from everywhere after he was traded. So my big thing about the Rams this year is the Rams last year went 10 and 6 mm-hmm. with a bad Jared Goff. And then you add Matt Stafford. I mean that has to give you at least an extra two or three wins. In my opinion, yeah, I can't argue with it. I, I don't. They, I feel like they lost some relevant players. I think they I lost think that makes sense, but I think just chalking up three wins just for adding Matt Stafford is a lot, especially with like a full strength NFC we <laughs> NFC West NFC West now this year, <laughs> but like. I mean, that was last year. If we were thinking last year, like 49ers were kind of out of it. Um, like, yeah, yeah. I think I think the Rams can go 14 and three with Matt Stafford. But whew. with the nine with the Niners back to full strength, I mean, it's Jimmy G, yes, but like their offense is much more capable now. Or Trey Lance. I, I expect it to be Jimmy yeah. G, but 
Um, I don't know. I think 14, well, 14 and 3 is hard. We will, I think we should transition this episode and talk about the draft strategies we have for each position. But first, let's pay some bills really quick and take a quick break. Welcome back to the second half of our show today. You guys ready to talk some fantasy draft? John, I know you get a little excited about this talk. I get tingly. <laughs> I get the tingles when I think about the fantasy draft. Oh, the tingles. The tingles. Not not goosebumps, but the tingles. The tingles. I never met a goosebump. <laughs> Nate, um, do you get tingles or goosebumps? I I don't I feel it somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. never, never mind. No, let's 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 just move on. <laughs> we need to move on. <laughs> we need to go. <laughs> the best. So, man, great content. Basically, we're each gonna tackle position, kind of talk about what we think about it, and just kind of move on for there. So, I'm starting out with the quarterback position. I would argue this is the most polarizing position in fantasy football. Because there's those people who just stop at nothing and get Patrick Mahomes, Tyler Murray, Josh Allen, whoever their top guy is, no matter where they're going. So I did some research because John inspired me from his Najee Harris take. I did some research, went back, and looked. Since I only have our league that we've been in for five years now, running on the sixth year, is I just wanted to see which winning teams had a top five quarterback. And so I looked, three out of the five winners have had a top five quarterback. So what that shows to me is a top quarterback can win the league, but you have to hit on it. You can't, you know, obviously that's a third position, but you can't take Russell Wilson in the third round and he doesn't do anything. So you have to be very careful where you do it. And so looking at each of the draft positions of the top five the top five QBs are all going in the first five rounds. Um, most of them from rounds four to five, but Mahomes is really skewing that number, going number 18 overall in sleeper right now. So that's the second round. That's very high for a uh, quarterback. Passing up on a lot of good players. So typically what I see a lot of people do with quarterbacks is they'll either reach in the first, you know, six, seven rounds, get one of the studs, or they'll just wait and build around the rest of your roster. So I know a lot of people that when they draft, they're like, I want a good quarterback. And I'm like, I totally understand that. And there's some people who are just like, there's so many good quarterbacks. I don't need one. So yeah, those are the two kind of strategies I see going with. I, for the most part, typically wait. That's just the way I build my teams, but I might have to change it up this year. So what do you guys think about my analysis? Yeah. All right. I can get in on this because I've been going back and forth between quarterbacks early, quarterbacks late a lot. <laughs> but uh, it's been mixed, too. And I don't know if I can, like, say something that I'm going to do for sure or not. And with the quarterbacks, like Leighton said, it's like a QB can win your league for you, but you have to be, like, spot on with everything else pretty much because typically you're going to reach for a quarterback pretty early if you want to get one of those those really good ones. But all these mock drafts that I've been doing, it's been once you get past, let's say like the 
fifth or sixth round or so, I'm every time I'm on the board again, I'm looking and just seeing what the value is at each position because there are definitely spots in drafts where I don't like wide receivers, and there's definitely spots in drafts where I really don't like running backs at all. And I'm looking at that and just seeing who's available there, and I'm also seeing, like, what quarterbacks are available. So if it's the sixth round and I'm looking at, you know, wide receivers, it's – I don't – I can't – I can't say it off the top of my head, I guess. If it was, like, OBJ, Jamar Chase, somebody like that, and the quarterback was Kyler Murray. It was like, I might take Kyler Murray right there just because I think he adds a lot more value to my team than one of those. If they play well, then they could be really good wide receivers. I just think that's that's the value pick right there. But if there's really good options at other positions, I think I'm I'm going to keep going there because, like Leighton said, there's you can, you can still get a great quarterback later on. You can still get – uh, Tom Brady, yeah, the problem, Matt huh? Stafford, or Ryan Tannehill, who's still going to be perfectly fine for you if you have solid depth everywhere else. Okay, so... Yeah, the biggest problem I have when I draft is I go back between getting good quality, good quality starters and building my depth. So that's just where I'm at. Sorry, John, go ahead. You're fine. Uh, so... There's no in-between for me. If I'm going to go quarterback, I think I'm going to go quarterback early, and I'm just going to ride with it. And that has included Mahomes, Kyler, and Josh Allen. Those are kind of the three that if I'm going to take one before, like, the 12th, it's going to be one of those. And if they're gone, they're gone, and I'll just work with some depth. What I will also add Last year, it was Justin Herbert. I believe was Lamar's year that he was not drafted super early. Two years before. I can't remember for sure. But then the year before that, it was Mahomes. What it seems like to me is that there is always somebody. There's always a younger, talented quarterback somewhere down the line. Who can even be your second quarterback taken. That... On that I think is it's more valuable than whatever last ditch effort pick that you might make with your last pick before defense and kicker. This year, the name that sound, that stands out to me, I think there are two, and I know that I just kind of slandered one of these guys a little bit. I would say one is Matt Stafford because I could see him, I could see the world where he flourishes and is a top five quarterback on the year. The other one, which Layton's going to hate, is Jalen Hurts. I think that Jalen Hurts does have the ability to be a top-end fantasy quarterback. Real life, not so much. But if they're going to be losing so much, I can see, I can see the potential for it. I can, I can see with his mobility that he could be a valuable fantasy quarterback. So if there's some strategy hints, that's what I would give to you, is either aim for the top or – get a solid quarterback like Tannehill is one that I like to target a lot and then take your shot on like a Stafford, depending on where they're going. Cause Stafford could be going before Tannehill. It wouldn't shock me if he did, but that's what I like. Yeah. I agree with yeah. that. Thanks for uh, bringing up my guy. Really appreciate that, John. Um, moving on, Nate, do you want to kind of dive into the 
what I would say is the most important position in fantasy football. Yeah, it's the running back position. It is probably the most important position because it's the most shallow in like in superstar talent, I would say. Um, so, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast a lot, you've heard all of us really talk about it. Most, a lot of Leighton and I going back and forth between how your first three or four rounds should be for like running back strategy. And I'm a big believer that if you can get as many top tier, top two tier running backs as you can early, I just think that helps you for the long run because running backs get beaten up over the year. It's, I don't know. It's a very important position, but, um, I don't know with the strategy for it. I've been going back and forth a little bit. I've been going three running backs right away. If I can, it, there's a few that names out there that I don't love right now, but, um, I've been going running back first round, running back second round, depending on the wide receivers that are available. Um, mega wide receiver third round, running back third or running back third or fourth round. Um, I don't know. I've in the the leagues that I've won, I've had a top five running back in all of those. Sorry, Layden and Alvin Kamara and Darren Jones, but um. I don't know. This one's kind of hard. Do you guys have anything you want to chime in on? So I would say that the kind of what you went towards in in that running back first round, I think that's a given depending on where you're drafting. And that's the thing is all of this is situational advice. So in a perfect world, you know, this is what you're aiming for. But there is a, a point where you have to switch over to wide receivers in the first round almost every year. Um Maybe this year it's Travis Kelsey is the only non-running back that goes in the first. It would kind of surprise me. But um, so first round running back makes sense. Second round running back, in my opinion, there's a short list. And it just depends like how big of a risk taker you are. That's kind of what all this comes down to, because you're not guaranteed to have, I guess, a safe running back pick. I would say like I consider Navi to be a safe running back pick in the second round not everybody else does like that's more of a risk right everybody's well aware of my Najee take also (laughs) it's going viral in case somebody's missed it it's going viral you need to look it up it's it's great quality content um but like Mixon not a safe pick Dobbins not a safe pick Eckler Mm -hmm. safe pick um Cam Akers Leighton you can fight me on that one not a safe pick (laughs) I just don't think it's – I don't know. I don't We're know. not going to dive into it. Yeah, we, there's I'm higher on him than you are, but I understand. I don't know why he's being drafted where he is. Anyway, purely draft strategy, I think bare minimum you have to have four running backs on your roster, and that should include one late shot somewhere in the later rounds. There are plenty of backups who will eventually get starter snaps later on in the year. If you're patient, you probably won't be. But if you're patient, <laughs> hold on to him for the year. I'm telling you, it is always, always, always worth it. Because if you're a contending team and you happen to hold on to that, what is it, Javante Williams? Is that the the oh, Denver? Denver, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It, like, if you are a contending team, you're fighting for that fourth 
spot in the playoffs. You hold on to Javante Williams. Week eight, Melvin goes down. He's not historically a super healthy guy. I'm just saying, you're getting, you're getting the point that I'm making. He starts to get starting snaps. He can be inserted into your flex position, and he could break out. I mean, there are a lot of teams who took running backs in the second round, second or third round this year. There's a reason for that, and in my opinion, running back is one of the most talented positions as far as depth goes through the draft every year, and those guys have a, a very good chance of gaining starting snaps. So look look for that. Look deep. Look for like the Zach Moss guys out there because there's chance, there's an opportunity for them to take over the starting the starting carries. So Yeah, that's also a good point. And like, you know, he mentioned it's all based on like what the board is. Like I like going running back heavy or early, but you can't just go into that no matter what. You have to take, you know, who you like. Even if it's a receiver, you know, like if there's a great like if DeAndre Hopkins falls in the back half of the second round and you pass him up for somebody else, that's I feel like that's almost a little foolish. So you just have to you have to balance what you're focused on because it if you just go in with the mindset, you know, oh running back, running back, running back, no matter who they are, you might have a worse team than if you just kind of you know went with the ebb and flow of the draft. So I always again I always lean towards running back heavy, so I get it. And there's been times where it's like, man, I don't want to take this receiver, but it, he's just too good to pass up, like a DeAndre Hopkins in some mocks this year. And I've done it. So, again, it just depends where you're at and how the board falls to you. So, I agree, though, John. If you're, because everybody at the end of drafts, you're basically taking dart throws. It's better to drop the receivers than it is the running backs, because somebody right. else will snatch them up and then right. you are SOL. Yep, and it sucks. It sucks looking back and saying, I drafted them. I drafted him in the 11th round. I drafted him in the 12th round. You dropped yep. him. After three yes. weeks and he didn't get starting touches, you dropped him. It's Hold on to him. Be patient. Um, anybody else running back strategies? All right. If, I think can, uh, just real quick, if you do go running back, running back, running back to start, don't because this is a problem I do it too. Don't worry as much about getting backups, I think. Because you have three stud running backs, hopefully. And, then and be careful about quarterback and tight end. That's another thing. If, you're, if you start out with three running backs, I think you need to address receiver. Absolutely. Which I will discuss with mine a little bit. But since you mentioned receiver, John. Receivers. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, I'm going to cover <laughs> wide receiver strategy. Um, I've gone back and forth on a lot of guys this year and I'm cooling off on Stefan Diggs. Um, just what? because I think, yeah, yeah, I know. Who are you? I, Where's John? I, right. Uh, I, I'm Najee. I, I am one. Um, <laughs> but no, I've cooled off on Diggs a little bit. Um, he had a historic year last year and Josh Allen's super talented, but, I don't think you'll see better numbers. doesn't mean that you're going to have a bad year. Anyway, strategy for wide receivers, not to focus on him too much. Um, there is a lot of talent down, I want to say around the seventh or eighth round. I like um, targeting wide receivers, and that includes, and I'm giving air quotes, reaching, if you want to call it that. But really, and Leighton is super good about explaining this one, but 
once you get to that point in your draft, it's not reaching if you truly believe in these guys because there's a lot there are a lot of bad players at that point. There are a lot of bad picks to be made. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in somebody, just go after him. Don't try to get cute with it and think, well, he's he was projected to be a sixth round pick and we're midway through the seventh. Why why hasn't anybody taken him? Well, there's a reason for that. It's probably because there's not a lot of great opportunity. So like Brandon Cooks super super value guy um he's been one to go in the eighth round that i've gotten deontay johnson actually he's gone in the ninth round several times i've gotten him these are these are big name guys that can be huge contributors contributors on in their offense on their offense and you could potentially slide them into your starting role so personally I'm not looking at wide receiver in the first round. I think it's just kind of a done deal. Unless I get the 10th pick, I'm probably not looking at wide receiver. If if Kelsey's gone and, like, the best running back on the board is, like, Austin Eckler, I guess then I'm probably going to pivot to Devontae Adams. But strategy-wise, in a perfect world, you're you're looking at receiver in the third or fourth round, and you can definitely get starting value there. I mean – Robert Woods has gone in the sixth round. John. Devonta Smith, somebody that <laughs> I liked a lot, has gone in the seventh round. I mean, you can you can wait that long, and uh, and still have starting level wide receivers. So that's more so what I'm looking at. I'm looking at third or fourth round for making my first wide receiver pick. Um, I'm not sure how much you guys are going to differ on that one. I know we're all running back heavy, so. No, I Thanks. think that was a very uh, – yeah, that was a good breakdown of the strategy. I really like what you said about people that you like and not – I think it's very easy to get, like, too cute with it, too cute with rankings and, like, the draft order where, like, you may have a guy in mind that you really like, but, like, let's say he's – you know, he may be going, like, next round, but this this batch of guys that you're looking at currently – you just you, you don't have any belief in any of them. I mean, I think totally, like, once you get to sixth and seventh, eighth round, it's okay to reach for them. With, like, some of these sleeper drafts that we've done is, like, Deontay Johnson. Where we're like, why the heck is he going eighth round when he's a sixth-round talent? Right. It's like, you could play it cute and, you know, wait till seven, maybe eight if you come back around. But, like, there's a very good chance that other people are recognizing the same thing as you and he's gone, and you don't get the chance, and then you're kicking yourself for it. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a very good point to make that I think a lot of people get get mixed up in. So, good one there. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, obviously, the one thing about fantasy football that's always interesting to look at is it's just like everything in life. People have – varying opinions on every single player. I'm sure there's somebody out there who thinks taking Christian McCaffrey number one overall is stupid. You know, there's a guy out there that says that, or a girl. And the rankings are basically what I call a – it's a weird way to put it, but how more people think about them favorably. And it's okay to be in the minority sometimes with this because – and one thing I always emphasize, especially with receivers, because running back, you, you know, but like receivers, every year there's at least like a few guys who just sneak up on you. And what I always like to do is, you know, 
as soon as like a couple days before the actually for me it's like a week before the draft i always print out the rankings and the guys that are going late that i like that i'd be okay reaching for i always like circle them and even if you know your friends you know like kyle in our league's a big Patriots fans. So he might like them more. And, you know, it's just certain things to think about. I know John likes LaVisca Chenault. I like him too. So if you're thinking about reaching him and, you know, John's right after you, you might want to reach for him. And the big thing is, depending on your spot, there's always a typically a big turn for somebody where you don't have picks for a while. And if you feel like, you know, like, oh, you know, he might be there. I really like him. Just draft him it will make your life less stressful. I've come to realize because there's been times where I'm like, Oh, he'll definitely come back. You know, he's like 20 spots down from where I am. And then Nate will come out of left field and be like, you know, I really like Debo Samuel and take him or, you know, fill in the blank. So that's where I kind of vary with wide receiver later on, but I feel earlier on, I should have looked this up, but I feel like receivers are much more likely to bust early on. I shouldn't say much more likely, but I feel like if you miss on a receiver in the first round, your team is is off to a really bad start. For sure. Because, mm-hmm. like, Michael Thomas well. last year – not to – I'm sorry, Chase. But when, my, when Michael Thomas, like, didn't perform, Chase's team was, like, a step behind everybody's because instead of having, you know, Derrick Henry, McCaffrey Cook, or whoever else – he had a guy who didn't play. And I know it's hard because it's injuries sometimes. So, it's Well, it's the whole reason that Le'Veon Bell – yeah, it's the whole reason that Le'Veon Bell was held on to by myself uh, for that holdout year. Because in the event that he does, like, come back, he instantly has, like, incredible value. And so, like, the point that I'm trying to make is that – so Michael Thomas doesn't start to perform. There are a solid, like – eight to 12 wide receivers who probably have the ability to perform on that same level where if you look at like Dalvin cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon, there's about four that have that same ability to even Mm -hmm. like perform. So it's just, it's a, it's a smaller sample that you have to choose from um, if things don't go well. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to transition into my favorite position to talk about. Just kidding. The tight end position. I'm glad John made the outline for today's episode. And I'm just super glad I got the tight end. I feel like nobody else here, especially Nate, does not want to talk about the tight end position. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm more into the tight ends yeah. now than I was before. <laughs> and I think I have, I, have, I have a lot more tight end strategies that I've been mulling over in my head as, we've, as time's gone on. And more, more mock drafts have been pumped out. Yes, that's for sure. So kind of like with the quarterbacks, I did the same thing. I went back the five years in our league just as a small sample size to see if the winner had a top five tight end. Ironically enough, came out the same three out of the five seasons, the winner had a top five tight end. So just as likely as you had a top quarterback, the winner had a top tight end. I should have looked, and I'm kind of kicking myself now, if any had both or if any had none. But basically, with tight end, if you're going to take one early, which is one of the big three, we all know who they are, Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller, um, you have to hit on one early, or else you just kind of have to wait. 
because tight end, at least with a quarterback, if you wait, you know you're going to get a good one. But if you take a tight end in the middling rounds and it doesn't work out, you kind of missed out on like a really good depth piece at running back receiver. It's just tough because you're more likely to hit on a quarterback than a tight end. Tight end is a very hit or miss position, that's for sure. After the top three, definitely. I'd say Hawkinson uh, might be. Kelsey's going the highest out of those, obviously. End of round one, early round two. He's not making it back to like the middle of the second round at all. The value with him, he's just the best tight end in football. Maybe ever. You can argue it. So the amount of targets he gets and everything is just way too much for people to pass up. And I don't blame them at all. But, you know, a lot of – Basically, if you're not going to take one early or it's always good to have a plan B with tight ends, because if you go in like, oh, I'm going to take a tight end in the third round and they're all gone by the third round, that's bad. I doubt it will happen, but you never know. And always have a couple guys who you're somewhat confident in later on and you'd feel comfortable starting week one. Um, like for me, you have Irv Smith, Dallas Goddard would be, is a good one if Ertz gets traded. I know Nate likes Logan Thomas a lot. So it's just, okay, a little bit. Iffy, <laughs> so, iffy now. Iffy? Okay. Um, so you just have to be careful with the position because if you um, if you miss on the position and you take him somewhat early, like if Mark Andrews, if you take him in the fifth round and he is just not good because he has a running back throwing him the football – then you're most likely just not going to – I'm sorry, Nate. It it was right there. (laughs) It's another episode. (laughs) I'm just just trying to at this point. It's it's a challenge to me. But it's just one of those things you have to be mindful of. So, uh, Nate or John, did you have anything to add about tight ends? Because – it's but, uh, definitely the most opinionated position. And, John, I'd love to give your insight. And then Nate, maybe some of his. Um, yeah. Go ahead, John. <laughs> um, so I would say, and I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, I would say Hawkinson might be the one exception to um, what Leighton was discussing with the top three. I think Hawkinson has a great – opportunity this year in the Lions offense just because of the lack of talent at the other skill positions. Um, There's DeAndre Swift. I think Hawkinson's going to get a ton of targets. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I I agree with what Leighton had to say. Um, There's there's definitely talent down at the lower ends. Uh, But uh, I think Lane Thomas um, is a guy that might have a lot of opportunity in Washington um, who you can get much later, but uh, it is much more difficult to hit on a tight end than it is on a quarterback. So I completely agree with the strategy from that perspective. And if you're going to go for it, just go for it. And I think that's probably a conscious decision because you know where you're going to be drafting. That's a conscious decision that you need to make before the draft of, okay, I'm going to take Kelsey at the turn or, okay, I'm going to get, Darren Waller, you know, if you have the first pick, you can just decide, all right, I'm going to get Waller with the first pick of the third round. And uh, you just need to make that decision and have a game plan going in. That's why we're talking about strategies so that you can not necessarily know exactly what's going to happen, 
but you can have a preferred outcome based on where you're drafting. So do your mocks, do your homework, identify guys who you think have better opportunity later on in the draft. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think you, it's fair to go in with the game plan that you're going to go for one early. Um, and we know, I mean, three out of five winners have had one of those top five tight ends. Was it top five or top three? Layton? Top five. I did top, top five. five. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, it but definitely they were, I, they, I think they were all top three. Sorry to interrupt, but. No, I mean, like, I, I had Waller last year, and, like, that was something where I wasn't necessarily reaching. It just, like, it kind of fell to me. It was like, this guy seems like he has a good opportunity. But always have a plan B because, yep, like, those top-tier quarterbacks, they could come off the board three picks in a row. Like, if they just start going, you, they may never come back to you. So have a plan B. Um, in the mocks that I've been doing, I will it's, – it's always just like, yeah, checking on the positional value that's there at the time. Hawkinson is a guy that I always keep my eye on. I mean, same with Mark Andrews. I'm more out on him as time goes on. But it's kind of just like how far can Hawkinson fall where it makes sense – before it makes sense to get him for me. And then there's a bit of a drop-off. So, But I think there is value at the end of the draft with tight ends – Myself, I'm not afraid to spend my last three positional picks on tight ends because I think there's oh. going to be at least one down there that could be a home run. And people that I'm looking at are Tyler Higby, Irv, Irv Smith. I think Irv Smith won't be there for my last you know, three picks ahead of he a kicker. No, but yeah, <laughs> Tyler Higby's one. Um, Hunter Henry is another. Um and I can't think of the other one. But, I mean, I even think Evan Ingram might have a good year because he gets a lot oh, of targets. Sure. He just can't catch. For sure. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, one of – I'm okay doing that, building up the rest of my lineup and just taking a swing on the off chance that I might get a, a top five tight end for the year down there. It's just do your homework and think of some – people that are in good positions that have have a good opportunity to succeed and are, have good upside and just go for it. Yeah, the one thing about – that's actually a good idea, Nate, is like taking those tight ends later. It's, it's like with the last picks, again, you're going to draft – you're going to drop somebody after week one or two for sure because they're just not good or they're not getting utilized the right way. So, I mean, if you get – if you take – tight ends and let's say they have two of the three hit you have a really nice trade option so yeah it's definitely not a bad strategy but yeah it's one thing i will recommend just to kind of wrap up um it's just the fact that if you take either one like of the two positions i talked about tight end or quarterback high don't take the other position you have to pick and choose your battles because if you take a tight end high and a quarterback high more than likely, your roster is going to be yeah. You're, you're missing out on a lot. So yeah, that's just one thing I always keep try to keep in mind. Because yeah, I just think yeah, if you if you go for a quarterback or a tight end or both early, you just if you use up two of your first seven picks on both of those positions, you miss out on a lot from receiver or running back potentially. Yeah. So that's a little dangerous. Right. So that's why, 
like depending on where I'm at, if I can get like a Kittle or Waller or Kelsey, I I just won't take a quarterback because you have to build up your other part of your roster. So that's kind of it's kind of my lasting thoughts. So well, this was a fun episode. The NFC one, not as much debate as I thought there'd be. The draft strategies is always a fun one. Definitely a good one to listen to before the draft if you want to circle back on this one. And uh, thank you guys again so much. Please be sure to follow us on Fantasy underscore Chumps, and we will submit a question and we'll read it on the show and answer it for you. So, again, thank you guys so much for everything, and you have a great rest of your night or day. Thanks, guys.